This is Nuance Radio. Have you done all your Christmas shopping? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I'm all done. What? That's yeah. not possible. You want to know what people are getting? Uh, maybe later, yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Nuance Radio invites you to join the conversation that has come to be known as One Bloke Went to Mo. Welcome, welcome. Um, I hope you're having a great weekend if you listen to this on Sunday when it comes out. Uh, obviously, you will know, I don't know yet, what the score is in the uh Round of 16, uh, America playing Netherlands on Saturday. Uh, hopefully they did well. Uh, and England um, playing, who are they playing? Senegal, I think. Senegal. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. If you're watching the World Cup, it has been amazing. Uh, really amazing. Uh, with me, as ever, is Victoria. Victoria, how are you? I'm doing pretty good right now. Excellent. Good. I must admit, I'm a little bit tired. Um, yeah. Been watching way too much football and staying up late, so um, gonna have an early night, I think. So. Yeah, pretty much the same here, except and just being awake early. Yeah, and a uh, big week next week, you know, because we've got all the Christmas festivals coming up. There's uh, concerts at school, got one for kindergarten on uh, Wednesday, and then the first grade on Thursday. So, oh, it's gonna be a busy week. Yeah, yeah, you go do that. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, I have to say, you know, just at the outset, the World Cup has been amazing for the number of upsets. Now, you may not get this right, but I'm just going to read through some of the these amazing uh, games that we've had, right? We had Saudi Arabia uh, beating Argentina 2-1. That was the first one, big upset, because Argentina, you know, very good team. And then we had Japan beating Germany 2-1. That was quite an upset. In fact, Germany are now out of the competition, um, you know, and they have been big winners in the past. So uh, we then had Spain uh, beating Costa Rica 7-0, which is one of the biggest scorelines ever in the World Cup. Wow. Um, and Costa Rica, you know, pretty good team, you know, uh, but Spain were on form that day, definitely. And then... Uh, Interestingly, you see, in that same group, Japan then lost to Costa Rica 1-0. Okay, but get this, when Japan played Spain later on, uh, Japan beat Spain 2-1. <laughs> what is that? I, so, <laughs> I think this is what I love about this competition, you know. You never really know. And, uh, I mean, there was a lot of talk about the Japan uh, second goal because it looked like uh, the ball had gone out of touch and... Uh, but when they reviewed it, uh, there was like a fraction of the ball that was still um, over the line, you know, like on top of the line. So it hadn't yes. fully gone out of uh, a play. Uh. And that's, uh, you know, so uh, their goal stood. And uh, I don't know, all credit to them. I mean, they just played with a lot of passion. Uh, but you also, you know, uh, so France, the uh, the winners of the World Cup last, last time, uh, they were beaten in the third match by Tunisia 1-0. Now, admittedly, they did play their B team, so it wasn't there all their 
best players, but then uh, we also had Australia uh, doing well. They've qualified for the six, uh, last round of 16, I think, for the, um, maybe the first time, maybe the second time. Uh, they beat uh, Denmark 1-0. Um, and then you had South Korea beating Portugal 2-1. Portugal, of course, that has uh, the probably the most famous player, Ronaldo, uh, playing for them. Um, and then South Korea, uh, no, who, who was it? Today, uh, Cameroon beat Brazil, the, the famous Brazil. Now, again, they fielded a side that wasn't there full strength uh, a team but still um cameroon <laughs> out of nowhere <laughs> beat beat you know probably the best team in the world so or at least you know brazil probably the favorites to win if not france so wow we'll i see. mean even i don't know a whole lot about it but whenever people talk about it i, I think of brazil mm-hmm. no lives like right. south america any mm-hmm. of them yeah so, oh. so it's been quite an interesting competition and uh, now we're into the, the knockout stages so you know it's uh, do or die now on these and also we're going to get extra time you know so if they're at a tie at 90 minutes you're going to get extra time another 30 minutes and then if it's still a tie you'll get sudden death penalties basically oh no yeah, yeah. so could be some very long matches and uh, a lot of uh Highs and lows, let's say. A lot of uh, tears of joy and tears of sorrow. <laughs> so. There are going to be some endurance games, I'm sure. Yeah. Fitness is going to play a big part in who the eventual winners are, definitely. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. So, um, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, I have a bit of West Plains kind of news and everything, and then later on I'm going to talk about bats. Ooh, bats. Yes. I know. I need some help with bats. This is our 13th episode, so we'll be talking about the number 13 in uh, some detail. Before that, uh, local news. What's going on in West Plains? Any? Okay, so you probably remember a few weeks ago how I talked about how there were prisoner deaths at the South Central Correctional Center because Mm -hmm. of fentanyl. Somehow they were getting it. Right. Well... Another person, another man has passed away. Oh, no. In the same correctional facility. Yeah. Yes. uh, It was Williams. That's just the last name. Mm -hmm. It was a 60-year-old offender who was serving a seven-year sentence. Williams was received into the facility on May 17th of this year. Okay. And was in that facility. Mm -hmm. Now, what makes this weird is that they're having to do an autopsy to figure out why he passed away. Now, a lot of people recently have passed away in that one facility because somehow they were getting hold of fentanyl. Right. So I have no idea how this is going to pan out. And there are several months listed where they were having deaths at this correctional facility. There were deaths in January, June, August, September. Now they have other subcategories september 2 september 3 and september 4 yeah so there must be weeks in there where it happened multiple times october and november wow so something weird is going on yeah oh we are also going to be having parades in the area Ooh, parades! yes christmas parades lovely yes west plains is going to be holding their parade on december 10th 
Okay. Now, it doesn't list the time, but I'm assuming later in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody can see the lights. Right. So that's on Saturday, right? I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Cool. Make sure we get our gloves organized. Yes, definitely, because it's going to be chilly. Have to go rummaging around in the back of the sock drawer for all the kids' kids' gloves. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, and there's also the volunteer recruitment and retention program for the West Plains Council on the Arts. Oh, okay. What's that? Well, the West Plains Council on the Arts is going to be supporting the Alliance Arts and Cultural Organization. So they're looking for volunteers, uh, volunteer recruitment, retention, and that's going to be presented by Casey Hammock from Partner for Better, Columbia, Missouri. Okay. The program's going to be held at 4 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday, December 13th in the Walnut Room at the West Plains Civic Center. I know it very well. Yes, so... They'll be doing that and looking for volunteers and other type of recruitment possibilities. Okay, right. Yeah, I noticed that there was a uh, jazz quintet. uh, I mean, it's happening today, Friday, as we're recording tonight uh, at the Yellow House. Um, So um, if you you did go to that, I'm not going to it, obviously, but uh, if you did go to that, I'd love to hear some feedback on what that was like. There's a lot going on at the Yellow House lately. There has been a whole yeah. lot. I've seen little uh, signs hanging up and some flyers. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. I know. I'm going to have to get down there and um, find out what's on the calendar. Um, also, I noticed Osby, the small business incubator, um, they're having an open house this Thursday between 4 and 5.30 p.m. And I know I've been to some of those in the past, and they're a very good opportunity to meet local entrepreneurs, business owners, um, chat with the staff at Osby there. Um, always a source of really good information and uh, new contacts. So, but again, I'll be at a. Uh, I'll be getting ready for the music festival at school. So there you go. Won't be able to do that. Boil order. There's another boil order in West Plains. Oh, <laughs> another one came out on November thirtieth. Uh, yeah, they were again doing some repairs to the mains. So. I, I guess you have to boil your water. You probably are already boiling your water. Um, well. <laughs> I know. I know we've repeated this before, but I just want to, every time there's a boil order advisory, I think I'm going to mention it because it, it's just so unusual that it's it happens so, so much. Yes, it is so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never got the boil order notice. Um, in other West Plains news, the uh, West Plains Daily Quill, the main local newspaper here, they are forming a community committee, and you they want you, uh, members of the public, to be uh, part of this committee on gathering public input regarding content. So if you've got uh, opinions about the West Plains Daily Quill and what you'd like to see in it or what you'd like to see taken out of it, uh, maybe get along to the Quill office on Washington and say you want to volunteer to be on the committee. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, it's it's good to see them reaching out because obviously, you know, papers go through times when they need to revisit and uh, look at the content that they're offering and see if uh, they can make it maybe more appealing to people. So, And as you're probably aware, I'm all in favor of local journalism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I count myself as a journalist yet, 
for only doing a podcast, but uh, I don't know. I've always had this uh, desire to be something of a reporter. I Go don't know. pester them. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. Um, anyway, I would have more information on the uh, West Plains Daily Quill uh, news, but it is hidden behind a paywall. So. <laughs> Those paywalls. Those paywalls, yeah. Oh, um, Ozark Healthcare uh, at the main entrance is going to have some photo ops. So if you want to take your kids along um, on Wednesday, December 7th from 3 till 5 p.m., some elves will be showing up. Oh. So uh, take your phone or camera along with you and uh, snap a few photos of your kids with the elves. And then on Monday, December 12th, from 3.30 to 4.30, Santa's showing up. Oh. I know. I'm really surprised he's coming to West Plains. I mean, <laughs> of all the places in the world that he could visit, uh, it, it's pretty remarkable that he's coming here. Well, there we go. Yeah. So, really, that probably should have been the headline, you know? That yeah, probably that, should have been our main news, actually. That should have been the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the library. I don't know if you... Do you ever go to the library in West Plains? Yes. Yeah. I used to go there. Uh, I don't anymore because of uh, a library book that didn't get returned oh. on time. Oh. And uh, in fact, it was the only time in my life that I've actually had to defend myself in court. I got accused of uh, detaining a library book. You detained it against its will. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was my... Have I told you this already? No. Okay, because that was my defense at the, in the court. Because to the judge, I'm like, it doesn't have a will, so I couldn't detain it. <laughs> it's like, Your Honor, this is not alive. <laughs> Obviously, if it has a will, then it decided to stay in, in my bedroom under the bed and not, and not be found. <laughs> it's really a, a renegade book. It's hiding. It didn't yeah. want to go back. It's a, a fugitive. It's... Um, apparently it was last seen jumping off a dam into a river complaining about the uh, Dewey Decimal System. Oh. I don't know. Curses. <laughs> you have to see the movie Fugitive for that. Maybe that's one from Movie Club, you know? All uh, right, Because yes. that's Harrison Ford back in the 80s uh, running away from... Falsely accused, of course, because Harrison Ford never did anything wrong and never would. <laughs> I wanted to say something there, but I'm not... <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Don't mean to finish on a sad piece of news from West Plains, but uh, there was a West Plains teen who had a crash. I, I don't know if they're okay. I presume they're okay, but uh, they'd had a car accident oh. while avoiding an animal. So I guess, in, you know, an animal of some sort ran into the road and they avoided it. And what this made me think of was, um, you know, the older people that I've met here, um, several of them have given me advice about dri driving on the country roads here and said that if you ever have an animal in front of you, you know, don't swerve, keep driving straight uh, because this sort of thing happens. And I have to say, I'm terrible because I hate running over anything. And Same. so I do tend to try and swerve sometimes and I really shouldn't because um, it can lead to accidents. Yes, it can. It yeah. can definitely lead to an accident. A key thing about not hitting an animal on country roads is to just slow down to the actual speed limit. That helps a whole lot. Sure, sure yeah. But uh, like I mentioned before, those squirrels, they're so unpredictable. 
Yeah. They run, they run halfway, then they turn around, then they turn around again. So, yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, but uh, I don't know. It made me think of the, the advice that I've been given about. I've heard that advice too. Yeah. I, I, I know you to want to swerve because you care about animals. Yes. But really, you're probably going to put yourself in more danger by doing so. Exactly. Okay, over in uh, Gloucestershire, uh, you know, my home home county, they are expecting snow, a lot of it, apparently. So How much? I don't know. I mean, um, it just said heavy. They're expecting heavy snow. So that's going to be exciting because I know that, uh, you know, they don't get a lot of snow over there, right? So whenever you get a couple of inches, everyone freaks out and it's quite entertaining to see. It's... Um, you know, not met with the casual resilience of an American <laughs> looking at, say, a, a, a four-foot snowdrift and thinking, ah, you know. I can get, get to work. I can still make it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so that kind of attitude of, you know, uh, excitement or mild panicking. So when I lived in the southeast, mm-hmm. if there was any hint of there might be flurries or there might be sleet or there might be a touch of snow, the entire county would like shut down yeah and there'd be like a little bit of snow on the grass mm-hmm. whenever it did snow and that was like years or decades apart right and it was the funniest thing i'm like y'all can't even drive when it's raining <laughs> but yeah go on yeah in related news uh there are also a lot of yellow fog warnings and now I thought, what is yellow fog? You know, is that like polluted fog? You know, because fog normally is white. But I think it's like a uh, a warning system, you know, like yellow, amber, red, like a traffic light. Kind of meaning that, yeah, yellow is bad, but it's not as bad as red fog. Or I don't know if they go higher than that. Again, um, it reminded me of a story because there are... I don't know. There's lots of hills and dales, right? And so you get the fog forming in the dales and the valleys. Um, but I remember when I I hadn't long been driving, so it was probably about 18, and we went to see a Shakespeare play up in Stratford-upon-Avon, which is, I don't know, probably about an hour's drive away from home. And uh, I got the job of driving home, and <laughs> it was really thick fog i mean it was an hour of just hugging the center line um probably driving maybe 10 miles an hour it was ridiculous so an hour's journey probably turned into like two and a half three hours something like that yeah and it was i was fine it was just my parents being backseat drivers oh boy (laughs) caused all the extra stress you know so that was one of those moments where um if you've ever driven your parents, uh, it's quite, you know, when you first start driving and then you drive your parents around to one of them, it's, uh, it just adds to the stress. You know? so, yeah. Yes. Fond memories from that night. <laughs> um, in other driving news over there, um, drivers should be forewarned that the mobile speed cameras are going to be out in force again uh, this uh, holiday season. Uh, they're kind of sneaky now, right? So they used to have a lot. I mean, they still do. They. This is something that Americans won't necessarily understand. I know we're getting more cameras now at traffic lights, for example. Mm-hmm. But in England, it's just gone crazy. I mean, the the cameras started a long time ago. So what you'll see is, you know, the box with the 
camera in and then on the on the road they put these strips down so that when the photo is taken of you driving past they've actually got proof i think they maybe take two photos or something so one as you go by and another one a couple of seconds later and there's markings on the road so they can actually prove that you were speeding right? oh okay but um you know there's a lot of villages uh Kind of similar to here where maybe, you know, the speed limit is 55, 60. But then when you come into the village, it drops down to 30. And, you know, a lot of people don't go down to 30. You know, they'll decelerate to about 40 and hope that they can skim through. But uh, forty-five. <laughs> I mean, they I don't know when they started putting these <clears throat> speed cameras out. I feel like it was when I was still back in England. So that would have been in the 90s. Um, but I know when I went back in 2010... Um, especially in the bigger cities, there are a lot of markings on the road. And it, it, if you're on interstate or motorways, um, there will even be digital display signs over the uh, the bridges that cross the interstate. They'll have speed limits that vary according to how much traffic there is. I mean, it's really quite a sophisticated system. So, like, if there's a lot of traffic, you know, the speed limit might drop from 70 down to 50 or or, or vice versa, right? So Okay. Yeah. But they still have traffic jams, you know. Yeah, so. that don't change anything. <laughs> no. Well, part of the problem, you see, is that everyone goes to work around the same time. Yes. This is why I'm in favor of uh, flexi time. Um, in fact, if you listen to Freakonomics, one of my favorite podcasts, they, years ago they did do... Um, a deep dive into flexi time and realize that yeah with that kind of system people would be arriving at work at different times during the day it would severely reduce the amount of uh, traffic congestion that you get in the mornings and the you know in the evenings when people are going and coming from work yeah that would be really useful definitely in larger cities um retailers are obviously gearing up for christmas so uh they're announcing later shopping hours you know in shopping centers and things like that so um ptsd from my retail days yeah yeah which wasn't very long ago those essential workers are gonna have to be working late um obviously you know they're still struggling over there in england with uh, a lot of people threatening to go on strike. Um, you know, you've got railway workers now, nurses, teachers. Um, things are really coming to a head over there. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, over this winter. Sadly, some of the hospitals are suffering from overcrowding. And it's not that there's a lot of sick people. There are people in hospital who have recovered but they can't go home, maybe because there's no one to look after them. You know, they still need to recover, but they don't necessarily need to be in hospital. And so that's causing a backlog. And there's people, therefore, having to be seen, uh, you know, in the corridors, on makeshift beds. Um, now, the government has announced, interestingly, that they have put, they are putting in a lot of money into aftercare facilities. So, or, I don't know, maybe even paying relatives to look after people after they come back from hospital hmm. but i thought it was interesting right because you know as i've always talked about economics and the government doesn't need to collect taxes in order to spend money and things like that right i just wanted for the record to play this audio clip from 2005 alan greenspan who used to be the um head of the bank uh, the central bank the, the federal bank of uh, the u.s right 
And back in 2005, he was asked by a member of Congress, Paul Ryan, about how to make Social Security more secure, right? And uh, and here's his question, and you'll you'll hear Alan Greenspan afterwards with his reply. So having personal retirement accounts is is another way of making a, a future retiree benefits more secure for their retirement. And also, do you believe that personal retirement accounts as a component to a system of solvency does help improve solvency because when you have a personal retirement account policy, it, it's accompanied with a benefit offset. With that feature in place, do you believe that personal retirement accounts can help us achieve solvency for the system and make those future retiree benefits more secure? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the uh, pay-as-you-go benefits are insecure in the sense that uh, <clears throat> there's nothing to prevent the federal government from creating as much money as it wants and paying it to somebody. The question is, how do you set up a system which assures that the real assets are created which those benefits are employed to purchase? So it's not a question of security. It's a question of the structure of a financial system which assures that the real resources are created for retirement as distinct from the cash. The cash itself is nice to have but uh, it's got to be in the context of the real resources being created at the time those benefits are paid so that you can purchase real resources with the benefits, which, of course, are cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <laughs> did any of that say, make sense to you? Okay. To an extent, yes, it did, but I want to hear yours. Okay. So all he's saying basically is, the population is getting older. The government can create as much money to yeah. pay people their retirement as it wants. The real problem is, are there going to be people to employ to look after the elderly? That's all he's saying. So he's saying real resources. He means workers. That's a real resource. The, the cash is immaterial, right? He, yeah, he's I got say, that part yeah. very clearly. Right. So... um Again, you know, but this was back in 2005 and, you know, you still have politicians wanting to privatize Social Security when there is no real need, honestly, for people to be even paying into Social Security. Because like I said, the government can employ anyone that it wants to. It can it can provide people with their retirement just by creating it out of thin air. The real problem is if they don't have people to employ to look after them, then that's going to be a problem. And if they don't have all the other things that they might need, right, so all the manufacturing base to provide the products and things and the other companies to provide services, if those things don't exist, having the money is great, but you've got nothing to spend it on, right? And, yeah. And ultimately that would probably be inflationary because then you've got a bunch of people with a lot of money and nothing to spend it on. So um could cause inflation, you know, depending on what they spend the money on. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting, again, because you have this constant argument or this constant defense by politicians, both here and, you know, in other Western countries saying, well, we'd love to do more, but we can't afford it. And it's just not true. It's just not true. They could employ everyone if they wanted to, because, you know, they're going to pay the money or get the money back later through taxes. So... Anyway, I find it frustrating. That is frustrating. <laughs> I'm over here just like, 
fix it. <laughs> fix it now. Well, last piece of news from uh, the Forest of Dean. Up in Cinderford, this would be yesterday, if you're listening to it, so on Saturday, uh, they are getting together in steam mills near Cinderford to set up the, uh, a community orchard and growing space. So apparently there was a piece of land that... Uh, wasn't being used by anyone and the community got together and asked the council if they could have it and they are now planting fruit trees and uh, little gardens and uh, I don't know that I think that kind of action should be applauded when it, wherever it's found I love that mm-hmm. I want that here yes definitely fruit trees everywhere yeah and like I said the uh, these new um, housing developments that are going up uh, in and around the area now they often include uh, a gardening space, what we, what would they call allotments over there, or a community garden of some sort. So, I mean, it has so many benefits, you know. I mean, teaching kids how to grow things is great. Bringing people together to work on a mutual project is fantastic. Um, people eating fresh food is a really good thing. Yes. So, yeah, it has a lot of uh, po- positive connotations, yeah. I love that, 100%. All right, well, it's episode 13. It is, so spooky. Yes. And we're recording this on a Friday, too. We are. Yes. But it's not the 13th today. No. No. But it might be. It's this episode's Friday the 13th. (laughs) We'll go with that. (sighs) So what do we know about 13? Let's just start with the basics. Um, it is a prime number, of yep. course, right? So prime numbers are 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, and 17, and go on from there. Yep. Um, it is also a part of the Fibonacci series. Fibonacci. Yeah, you heard of the Fibonacci series? No. No. Oh, okay. Well, listen. Okay. When you do, this will be a, a, a day of revelation for you. Go oh, on, no. go on to YouTube and look up Fibonacci. And okay, so a Fibonacci series, it's probably better if you look at a um, a grid um, drawing of the numbers. But basically, you start with a one, and then you add another one, and then the third number in the series is the sum of the two numbers that came before it. Right, so it goes one, one, two. And then one, and, and then the next one is three because one and two is three, and then the next number is five because two and three are five. Oh, okay. And then three and five are eight, so that's the next one, and then five and eight are thirteen. Okay. Right now, the the videos that you will see online, and we'll I'll try and find one and put it on our Facebook page. This is how a lot of plants grow. So if you look at something like a pineapple, you can see these Fibonacci series numbers in the way that the pineapple uh, grows out from its uh, stem similar with artichokes they they're another good one to look at but a lot of plants use this process of uh, starting with one adding another one becoming two and then three but then it kind of grows i suppose you're looking at it an an exponential curve it's not going up in a straight line. It's actually increasing in amount each time. Okay. Which is often the way things grow. I didn't know they used a little number system like that. I was just always admiring the plant. I was like, look at you and your new leaves. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, this is one of the beauties of mathematics, I think. Now, obviously, 13 has some bad connotations for some people. Um, there is a fear of the number 13, which in Greek is called triskaidekaphobia. Triskaideka, so deka is 10, tris is 3, and the chi is and, so it's like 3 and 10 phobia. Uh, personally, I'm more of a triskaideka file. <laughs> 13 is not a bad number. Oh, I, lo- I love the number 13. I think it's very powerful. Um, now, why did it get such a bad rap? There are many theories, right? The number 13 itself, obviously back in the day, we used the lunar calendar a lot, right? So a normal year would have 12 lunar months, but then it would also have a 13th month to which wasn't quite as big as the other months uh, in order to add up to 365 days in the year. So uh, it was seen as a kind of unlucky month, the 13th month, because it wasn't as full as all the other months, right? So, wow. Well, yeah. So um, it was also, uh, if you were doing a strict lunar calendar with 28 days, um, it also, if you were, say, a monk in a church, it would mess up your religious ceremonies. So a lot of the religious people didn't like this uh, 13th month for the f- fact that, like I said, it just messed up their holidays. <laughs> but um, For shame. <laughs> but, you know, the, th- the, uh, the year that has, uh, like, 13 uh, lunar calendars in it, apart from, uh, as opposed to 12, I mean, it happens, uh, like, 30% of the time. To- time so every three or four years you're going to get a year like that anyway so if that's the real reason for not liking 13 i think it's pretty thin um did you know that in the wiccan uh, religion 13 is the ideal number for a coven so any witches out there looking to form a coven uh try and get your numbers up to 13 uh probably going to be luckier hopefully that means you avoid burning at the stake um (laughs) it's interesting there are quite a lot of buildings skyscrapers that don't have a 13th floor yes oh my goodness i was gonna (laughs) say there's some airlines that don't have a 13 row oh right yes i cannot remember which airline it is yeah i I think it's over in europe but they do not have a 13 row Mm -hmm. 13 uh, obviously is the age at which a a young jewish man becomes a man or you know a boy a jewish boy becomes a man or enters the bar mitzvah so that's like a coming of age ceremony which welcomes the young boy into manhood but also into the wider religion i guess of judaism um but the one that you're probably all waiting for why does it have a bad rap uh, the last supper is often cited, you know, that uh, Ju- Judas was the last one in to, you know, there were 13 guests at the Last Supper and Judas was the last one there. And so therefore that's seen as unlucky. A different reading of that would be that uh, it's quite lucky that Judas was there to betray Jesus because we wouldn't have had the crucifixion uh, and which was kind of his purpose in a way. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people try to put him off from going to the city and getting involved in politics, but... He's just like, nah, I'm not scared. We good. <laughs> no. So, um, and then if you're a fan of 
uh, Dan Brown and the Da Vinci Code, you may have heard that Friday the 13th, uh, back in the year 1307, was the day that King Philip of France ordered the arrest and the murder of the Knights Templars. Uh, so, yeah, the Knights Templars often... A lot of mystery surrounding them because they're a secret organization. But essentially, they are um, esoteric Christians, from what I can make out. They they understand the true meaning of the kingdom kingdom of heaven. And so they're not religious fanatics. They're actually um, more enlightened Christians. But uh, being an enlightened person of any faith is something to keep secret, honestly, because it's regarded with suspicion. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because you don't react like the way people want you to react. Oh, and that's the best, though, I have to say. That is the best. What's the best? Reacting completely different than what people normally anticipate. Right. That's the best. Yes. Keep them on their toes. That's right. Disarm your enemies with kindness. Um, Yeah, so that was interesting. Um, And like I said, there's actually a lot of cultures that that view the number 13 as a lucky number. Um, like I said, I think it's a powerful number, not only because it's a prime number, um, but also in the Fibonacci series. But also, if you look at, uh, you know, society, we have uh, a jury of 12 and a judge, so that makes 13. In terms of managing people, um, it's always good to have an odd number of people so that you can make a decision. If you put something to the vote, then... You know, if you have an even number of people, you're going to get a stalemate or a tie. But if you have an odd number of people, you're going to come out with a majority vote. That's and 13 is, well, they say that um, effectively a person can manage up to 25 people, but the ideal number is 12. So, you know, you as the manager will be the 13th person. So That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, I have a question. I have an answer. I put out some bat boxes a while ago, and uh, I think I got them from the uh, West Plains uh, Nursery over there on the other side of town, which uh, I love going to. And, uh, yeah, so I know that when I put them up, um, they've got to be put up quite high because... They are kind of like upside-down boxes. The bats fly up into them and then they hang upside down inside the box. But when they wake up in the morning, or wake up in the evening, they, <laughs> uh, they have to drop out of the box, kind of free fall, and then gain flight. So they have to be put up quite high in, in order so that they don't actually hit the ground before they get to flying. So I don't know if I put my boxes up high enough. Okay, so yes, they need to be about 15 to 20 feet off the ground. Oh, okay. With no obstructions around it mm-hmm. because they're gliders. When right. they go to get into the bat box, they mm-hmm. glide and kind of like pull upwards uh-huh. so they can grab on and get inside the little bat box. And when it's evening time and they're ready to drop out, they can just drop straight down, have the space to just immediately go into flight. Mm-hmm. And having that extra height helps them avoid possible predators that could be on the ground waiting. Right, right. And keeps them from smacking into the ground. Okay, so 15 to 20 foot? Yes. Okay. I think I'm going to have to climb up a tree. Well, you're not going to like this next part then. 
Uh, bats do not like to live in trees. Oh. <laughs> well, because, gosh darn it. <laughs> yes. Uh, the reason being is pretty straightforward for a tiny little bat. Uh, there are so many predators that eat bats that live in trees. Oh, I see. And can climb trees. Right. Snakes, owls, cats. I'm pretty certain a raccoon or a possum will take a shot at them. Right. Rats. Mm. Rats will take a shot at them. Okay. So not trees. I would recommend a building that's facing southwest Mm -hmm. or a pole. Okay. A pole will work. Mm. Now, you haven't attracted any bats there yet, have you? No. And they've been, so the boxes have been up for over a year now, but um, I don't think they're high enough, you know, now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. Now, in a situation, say, when they are high enough, mm-hmm. you can uh, attract them using a bat lure liquid. Okay. Yes. The ones I've seen are apparently toxic, uh-huh. and you only use them for several months and once the bats show up, stop using the liquid. Okay. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it's made of, but it'll be in a little dropper bottle and there'll it'll be inside of another plastic bag with a little skull and crossbones on the bottle. So Okay. Yeah. It's it's toxic, whatever it is, but it does attract them. What did bats eat? Well, depends on the species of bats. Okay. But most of them seem to enjoy eating fruit or insects. Mm-hmm. There's only about three species of bats that get the bad reputation of drinking blood. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, since they mostly like insects and fruit, that that makes them excellent night pollinators. Oh. Yes. So say they're out flying around at night and they're looking for moths. Well, moths are night pollinators too. Right. If the bat goes and gets a moth, bats are covered in light fuzz. They're going to collect pollen off of that. Or say bats go after nectar. Mm -hmm. They're going to pollinate flowers and fruits. Okay. Now, another way you can attract bats is the type of plants you have growing around. Oh, really? Because that's going to attract insects that they like to eat. And any possible sugar source that certain species will want to get out of the flowers. I see, yeah. So what you're trying to do is get more insects. So some of the plants that attract a lot of insects are dahlias, French marigolds, evening primrose, thyme, raspberry, or honeysuckle. Mm. Uh, Definitely the honeysuckle attracts a lot of bugs. That grows well around here. Yes, it definitely does. I've got some honeysuckle. Now, you have a bit of an advantage. You have an open water source. Right. So, bats can lose 50% of their body weight in water in a single day. Golly. This is coming from Bat Conservation International's Water for Wildlife program. They've done studies on that. Mm -hmm. So, having a water source for them to dip while they're hunting for bugs, very important. Okay. Also for your bat boxes, or Mm -hmm. anyone's, because I still need to hang mine up. Yeah. (laughs) You have to make sure that it maintains an ideal temperature. Right. Bats prefer warmer climates between 85 and 100 degrees. So Mm -hmm. they do migrate. Right. So you want to put the bat box facing south to southwest. I said southwest earlier. Mm -hmm. South to southeast. Yeah. That way the bat house catches heat and warms up in the sun. Okay. They definitely need that. All right. Oh, when you do move your bat boxes... 
Make sure there's no wasps' nests or bees trying to make a home in there because bats don't really care for neighboring with them. Right, I can yeah, imagine. They're, they're not good neighbors. No, they're very un- antisocial, actually, wasps. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And if you do start getting bats around, you need to make sure your house is bat-proof. They can fit in holes the size of a quarter. Can they really? Yes. Wow. They will jam themselves in there. You know, we had a bat in the house the other day. Uh, It was a few months ago now. It was flying around the kitchen. Yeah, it was incredible. It didn't hit anything. Came flying right up to my face and swerved at the last moment. It was incredible. They have excellent hearing. Here's something that everybody should keep in mind, though. If a bat does get in your house or you find one on the side of your house or it's just stuck somewhere or hurt, do not pick it up. Right. Do not catch it. And I say this for the number one reason is that bats can carry rabies. Oh, right. They are mammals. They can carry rabies. And if anybody knows what rabies does, it doesn't end well. No. It feels like drowning, apparently. Yeah. I think its technical name is hydrophobia. Oh. Yes. So if you want to do that rabbit hole, you can look up rabies, but you don't want anything to do with that. No. Now, as far as the positives of having bats around, Mm -hmm. if you have lots of bats around, you don't have a lot of mosquitoes. Yay. Yes. I know. Mosquitoes do like to come out in the evening, which bats like to come out in the evening. And And, and I like to come out in the evening, too. Yes. And we don't get along. No. They'd love my royal blood, I think. (laughs) So, one bat, just one. Mm Mm-hmm can eat about 1,200 mosquitoes in an hour. (laughs) What? An hour. One bat. Wow. So that alone, even if you're scared of bats, that should be the ultimate reason to have them around. Yeah, totally. Now, other than them being gorgeous pollinators for, there it is, moonflowers, evening primrose, night-blooming water lilies, night-blooming jasmines, Datura, they just kill the mosquitoes. I think that's the ultimate reason is they just kill the mosquitoes. It doesn't matter to me that <laughs> the the guano that bats produce below the boxes is perfect for plants. Like it that's... has the it has the perfect ratio for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium that plants love. Mm-hmm. You know all these other amazing things for bats. I'm like, no, they, they kill the mosquitoes. Yeah, that that's... that's uh that guano can be like gold, can't it? Yes, it can. Very valuable. Yes, it has a high percentage of beneficial bacteria and f- fungi in there. So it can help when we talked about mushrooms. Mm-hmm. It can help spread beneficial mushrooms. Right, right. Yes, it's uh, fungicidal too. Oh. Weirdly enough, huh. it helps with beneficial bacteria and fungi. Yeah. But it's also fungicidal. Hmm. So I don't know how they differentiate there. Maybe it depends on the species of bat. Hmm. It destroys nematode worms. Oh, hate those. It kills them. Yeah. So that works. And I'm not sure who had to do the study to figure this particular one out, but it's positively charged, which is beneficial to a plant's nutritional status. No way. Yes. So somebody had to figure out the positive or negative charge of it and determined 
that little tidbit of information. Hmm. There's probably a joke about static electricity in there somewhere. There but. is. I don't know this this one, but it there's got to be one. <laughs> but yeah, they're adorable little flying mammals, and I believe they even hold the record for having the smallest mammal. Mm-hmm. So... Bats are fascinating. They are really fascinating. Like you said, they're a mammal. They fly. At they're night. Not, uh, they're nocturnal. Yeah. And they don't see well, but they can, they use, uh, you know, sound waves. So echolocation, they can see with sound. Yeah, that's remarkable. And also, if they weren't around, I wouldn't just be covered in mosquito bites. I would look like a mosquito bite. Yes. Yeah. They, they also... I probably wouldn't go out. No, I wouldn't. No. No. Now, they also eat the pests that corn farmers hate. The um, I think it's called the corn earworm. Oh, yeah. Not heard of that. I, I, may, I might be remembering the name wrong, but mm-hmm. farmers like bats because they will go look for these worms, which destroy corn. Oh, okay. So they're very beneficial for that, too. And it helps them not use as many pesticides. Right, right. Which, as we are discovering, um, stay in the food, don't they? Yes, they do. Don't go away. Unfortunately. Well, as we um, come to the end of the show this week, um, just a little thought for the day. And that is that uh, in several parts of the uh, Synoptic Gospels, Jesus says, Something to the effect of, for those that have, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even that which he has would, will be taken away. And um, the reason I bring this up is because, on one hand, there's a school of thought out there that looks at this uh, saying or piece of wisdom, and says, well, that's just like, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, if you're born into a wealthy family, then you've got better connections, and so those that have will get more, and those that don't, won't. But in another part of the uh, gospel, he goes on to say, because he's talking to his disciples, I have told you about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but I'm not telling anyone else. It's basically what he's saying, right? Um, and what I've discovered, right, in the last few years is there, okay, this is going to sound kind of out there, right? Because I know people are probably, are you familiar with a, a documentary called The Secret? I'm not, Not heard of that? Okay, no. so it was on DVD, so I'm imagining it was probably about 15, 20 years ago. Anyway, this DVD came out, and there was a lot of uh, successful people that claimed that if you, that you could manifest things, right? So just by wishing for something, you could make it come true, right? Sounds like Disney uh, or Aladdin, right? That kind of story, but... It is true, and I am testament to this, right? And this is what Jesus was talking about here. He's not talking about rich getting richer. He's saying that if you have, uh, let's say, come into alignment uh, you know, with the kingdom of heaven, right? Uh, you've got to that very Zen state. It is possible to then um, pray for something or wish for something, 
And as long as you keep it a secret to yourself and you don't tell anyone else, it will come true. Now, my uh, testimony to this is that when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to be a, um, uh, a preacher or a vicar, and I wanted to be an architect. Now, I didn't go to, you know, um, seminary school or architectural school, but I've ended up, you know, being, being a youth pastor for four years, and I've also uh, been designing houses for the last three years. Now, what that makes me aware of is the fact that thinking, just like breathing or your circulatory system, it just happens on its own, right? You don't have to think about breathing, right? You don't have to think to keep your heart pumping or beating. Thoughts will just occur. Um, they always do. You can't. It's almost like you can't stop yourself from thinking. Now, I know I said if you focus on your breath, you can take your attention away from your thoughts, but you're still going to have thoughts come up, right? So thinking happens. So once you can see that it's, it's kind of beyond your control to stop any thoughts from coming, what you can do is stop uh, forming attachment to those thoughts, right? So if a negative thought comes up, you could uh, become angry and frustrated by reliving that thought, or you could just watch that thought and then let it dissipate and let it not have any effect on you. It takes practice, yes, but in thinking about thought, there is something that comes before thought. And to me, that is intention. And that, I think, is what Jesus is talking about and what the people in the secret are talking about. If you are, have a child, right, and at seven years old, they tell you that they want to be a doctor, um, tell them, you know, just keep that to yourself and work on it. Because if that is their true intention, then what will happen? It will shape all the decisions that they make going forward, right? Let's say your kid wants to be a, a doctor, for example. He's probably um, not going to be watching a lot of sports. He's probably, or she, is probably going to, when given a choice between learning something about uh, medicine or learning about, say, pottery, he's probably going to choose medicine, right? Because he has this intention behind everything that he does or she does to become a doctor. So they have a purpose, and then every decision they make is going to be influenced by their internal desire to become a doctor. Do you see how that works? Yeah, this, yeah, that's clicking. Right. Definitely, well, at least for me. Well, okay, so there's this idea that if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you can become an expert at it, right? 10,000 hours is the same as five years, right? For 40 hours a week for five years, for 50 weeks a year is 10,000 hours. And you, you probably know, you know, if you've done a job or done any kind of hobby or sport and you've been doing it for at least five years, like playing the piano or an instrument, you're probably pretty good at it after five years. You may not be, you know, virtuoso, but you can be proficient if you put that much time into doing something. So similarly, if your intention from whatever age is quite specific and you have a goal in mind, then, like I said, it will shape your decisions and you will probably do more of what's going to help you become the doctor than things that are not related to medicine. That's actually very interesting. I'm probably going to be self-reflecting on that. 
Now, the last part of it is why keep it a secret? Why not tell everyone about it? Well, the reason is, right, and you probably know this if you've ever had a New Year's resolution to go on a diet. If you tell everyone that you're going on a diet, what often happens is people will congratulate you. They'll say, oh, that's great. Good for you. You know, go for it, right? Now, what the, what the brain or the ego then hears is, oh, I've been congratulated just for saying that I'm going to do something without I actually just, doing it. It's like, I'm done now. That's right. So it actually is demotivational to tell people what you're going to do because, well, for one thing, they may congratulate you and then you think, oh, I don't actually need to do that thing anymore. Or the other thing, if you've ever had a business idea, is people are going to shoot you down and pick holes in it and demotivate you that way. So... If you have something that you really want to attain, and I know this to be true because um, I've done it recently, uh, keep it to yourself and really believe that you that it's going to happen. So, you know, if you wanted that job, that dream job, believe that you already have the job because what will happen is, like when you go to the interview, you'll be so full of confidence that you're going to get this job that that will probably get you the job in and of itself. Right. Because, I mean, I know from having interviewed hundreds of people, I'd rather take someone who's like passionate and really wants a job over someone who's got a lot of skill and experience. And in fact, too much skill and experience will is harder to then train. I'd rather take someone who doesn't know anything and train them, you know, but confidence, belief and um, having a goal that you really want to attain. Very, very powerful things having a drive well on that note uh wish everyone uh, an excellent week please tell your friends about our show and we'd love to get more feedback i do want to say thank you to uh a person that sent us a piece of fan mail oh, last yes, week yes we got fan mail fan mail shout right. I, I'll, I'll say her first name she says okay. i could okay we do a shout out to camille thank you for the letter mm-hmm. we greatly appreciate it and she sent us some uh fifa world cup stickers as well yes right? she did two packs yeah which i haven't seen yet I, i'll i'll get them <laughs> <laughs> they're there okay. they're in the envelope <laughs> and what do you say her name was camille camille thank you so much camille it was very thoughtful Yes. Um, on our Facebook page, we have an address if you do want to send us fan mail. Um, obviously, we don't like anything too negative. And if it is too negative, we'll call you out first and last name. No. Oh, we'll tear it apart. <laughs> we we were, will mock everything. You were you. Like, all right, time to rip the grammar apart. <laughs> anyway, thanks once again for listening. Have a great week. Thank you. I'll see you. You've been listening to One Bloke Went to Moe.